Hello and welcome to the latest Science and Sport podcast. I'm your host Matt Solomon and today I'm delighted to be joined by Terry Peters. Today, Terry will be discussing how he got Bayer Leverkusen back to top performance after the COVID-19 break. This podcast is brought to you by Hawking Dynamics, the world leader in innovative force plate technology. Hawking Dynamics takes a user-centric approach featuring a fully customizable cloud-based software that allows users to easily digest and analyze complex force plate data. The technology is constantly evolving, much like an app update for your iPhone. They communicate with users on a daily basis to make their system better. In addition to all of that, they also offer some of the most competitive prices for bilateral force plates on the market. And they're the only force plate company offering a completely wireless system. So, if you want to find out more, check out their easy intro to force plate section at www.hawkingdynamics.com forward slash blog. So, Terry Peters, welcome to the Science of Sport podcast. It's absolutely fantastic to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's nice to be here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So, could you give us a quick update as to who you are, what you've been doing, and uh, what you're doing right now? Yeah, I'd like to. Yeah, I worked at, uh, at Olympic Committee in Holland. And I work with uh, yeah, a variety of sports, from, from table tennis to track cycling and, and volleyball, etc. And then I realized I would prefer to work in an environment where I can work like the complete week every day with the same athletes to, to get a bit more focus in there, to be more process-orientated than only task, uh, being occupied with my tasks. And then uh, Vitesse Anna was at... Uh, was at the same location actually as the Olympic Committee, and I started working over there for seven years. I met uh, some really good coaches over there. Uh, one of them took me uh, to Dubai, so this is where I went for like six, seven months after that, and then uh, as an athletics coach, also strength conditioning. I mean, and then uh, I came back, started working for Herefein in the same role, and then uh, Peter Boss, one of the coaches who uh, was working working with me at uh, at Vitesse, called me and asked if I was willing to join Bayer Leverkusen, uh, here I am working as a strength and conditioning coach in Germany. So uh, that's, a, that's a pretty exciting journey. Um, how lucky were you on that journey to meet a, a young Matt Solomon and give him his first chance in strength and conditioning? <laughs> Extremely lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Good, right answer. That doesn't this is the only right answer, I suppose. <laughs> Uh, you, you could you could tell the truth if you wanted to, but it's uh, it's good that you uh, you lie for my sake. That's uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that at least. No, no, no. But on, honestly, honestly, you know what's very important, and it, it's more rare than I expected it would be. But because for me it came natural during my study, I came in contact with Jim McCarthy, a, strength, a, a really good strength and conditioning coach from the USA. He was working with the speed skating skating team and director of the strength and conditioning department at the Olympic Committee at that time in Holland. And I was so excited, so I jumped onto him and uh, asked if I can walk along and, and, and learn a thing or two. And, I, and that ended up in an internship uh, from two years or so. And uh, so for me, it was natural that if you're willing to get somewhere, you you want to make the effort also. And that's why uh, I liked uh, you coming uh, to Holland and uh, and just writing me a message like, hey, can I uh, come over and... and, and see if, I, if there's something to learn from me and this is not what I uh, you know what I what I received often in my mailbox 
not as often as I would expect. Yeah, that's really nice. It was really good. I enjoyed Excellent. that. We could we could do a whole podcast on that, but what we're here to do is discuss how uh, how you've returned Bayer Leverkusen to performance because you've you started this week with the Bundesliga. Um, can you give us a quick rundown of of how that looked from the point where the Bundesliga was stopped to the point which you're at now? So, what, what was the timeline like? Yeah, one thing which characterizes me is that I always start thinking from uh, from the pitch, so I also will start the timeline on the pitch. Absolutely. And that's the 12th of March. We played in Glasgow in the Ibrox Stadium for 50,000 people. That was the 12th of March. We won over there 3-1. And at that time, there was already some buzz, like probably they're going to pull the plug out of the, uh, out of the Bundesliga. And so it happened. Two days later, 14th of April, uh, the message was there. Hey, guys, we, start, we stopped playing football. And then uh, we decided uh, to give the, the, the guys two weeks off. And uh, to, be, to be completely honest, it was not that uh, undesired because uh, we had like um, seven games in, in 27 days. So the, the load was really high. And then um, the 1st of April, we start training in, in small groups. And we had to shift from one perspective to another because the first perspective we got offered from uh, the federation was, hey, guys, when everything runs smoothly, the end of April, uh, probably we can start uh, playing Bundesliga again. So that's what we did. We, we made a flip chart with, uh, the, with the planning until then. And uh, we started in training uh, to train with groups of, uh, of three players. And then we noticed every week that perspectives changed. And so we did with the flip chart as well. Every time we ripped off the last one, and we start writing down the new one because it, it didn't make sense to, to speculate about which possible scenarios can happen because we knew so little. And I think the, yeah, the majority of the people in, in this world uh, were in the same position. And then uh, somewhere down the, uh, down the line, the, the message was there that like, the 9th of May or, the, or one week later, the chance was really, really high that uh, we can actually start playing again because the, what the Federation did really well, they, they made this concept with, uh, with measurements which m- makes the game as safe as possible to return to play. And uh, yeah, this, somewhere around the 6th of May, we could start the training in, uh, with, uh, you know, with the team, with the full team. And then we had like one and a half week uh, for the next match. So that was, uh, yeah, that was a, was a challenge. And the, the, 16th, the 16th of uh, May, the first uh, round of Bundesliga games was there. And we had on, uh, three days more because at uh, Monday the 18th, we, uh, or two days more, the Monday the 18th, we started against Werder, Werder Bremen. And uh, that was a 4-1 win, right? So uh, the preparation went fairly well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a, it was a good win. And in a very high intensity game as well. Excellent. So you've you've outlined the plan and how that looked in terms of you were quite agile with your periodization. Um, exactly. What exactly does that entail? So what what are you trying to achieve in each stage which you approached? Well, first of all, we need context before we can make a before we make a plan. We need context. We need to have clear under which circumstances we're working, and those circumstances are different than any other circumstances we have met before with different stresses affecting the player's level of freshness and, and, and fitness as well. 
because a stressed player is a player who is less capable of giving the best. And giving the best in our philosophy always starts with the quality on the ball. So football skills are in the middle. What is the demand on the pitch right out there when they are about to give the best performance? This means in our philosophy, one of our key principles, we start with intensity. So it starts with football skills and the intensity about action making within the football context. And as we increase the intensity over time, we try to extend the amount of actions with the same intensity as well. This makes sense for our coaches, for me, for everybody. This is what we built in, in, in the culture over here at, uh, at Bayer Leverkusen. And coming out of this two weeks pause, like I said before, um, we, the key thing was to get rid of all the fatigue which was accumulated in those uh, seven, 27 days before where we played uh, seven games. So um, the question is, what did we truly lose? We didn't lose fitness. What we, what we won was freshness. And that's also how I like to approach my programs. We need, we need to look at opportunities because it doesn't provide any energy to our team when we are con- training team and play, uh, team of players when we talk about, hey, what, uh, what are our restrictions? This doesn't help us. Uh, obviously, restrictions were there because of the corona uh, virus. We need to take a lot of um, measurements measures at uh, at the club. Uh, one of them is we need to start training in, in small groups, groups of two, three players at a time, uh, in different uh, dressing rooms, coming at a different uh, time slot uh, during the day. So this is uh, yeah, this is this is the context which is really important before we start about okay, but what we did, what what did we do? So let me go to the what right now. Um, what we did, first of all, we need to give players a clear perspective. We cannot start training without any dot on the horizon. They are competitive athletes. They like the game and they only like it because there's somewhere there's something to win at the end. And at this moment, 1st of April, when we started, it was not clear. So what we did, we took the most plausible uh, scenario. And this was that with the end of April, we start, train- we start playing Bundesliga. So that's what we did. Down the road, down the weeks, uh, perspectives changed. It, w- it changed to the uh, beginning of May, and then it was the 9th of May, and then totally at the end, it was the 16th of May, we, st- we would be starting the, the competition again. But it's important. Go to the flip chart, put down the most plausible uh, scenario, and go 100% for that before the perspective changes, and then you do the same process all over again. Okay, and then we get, uh, we get to the content. What we did is over time, so we started with skills on the ball. A lot of coordination, a lot of um, acceleration mechanisms we've been working on, max speed mechanisms, because this is what you can do extremely well when you're working with, with small groups. You, can, you have more control over time and rest than when you're playing positioning games or 11 against 11s. When time passes by, we were allowed to increase the size of the group and so we could also increase the size of the pitch we're working on, and we could can go. We came every week. We came closer and closer to to the end game, eleven against eleven. So the the accent uh, accent switched from intensity, from a mechanical perspective, to capacity. Like, how do we get through ninety minutes of eleven v eleven? And then, when the message was there at the sixth of May, hey guys, uh, the dates are there. 
Monday, 18th of May, is your first Bundesliga game. We thought, okay, how are we going to do this? First of all, we want to play 11 against 11 from a tactical perspective, but also from a conditional perspective, because that's in the end what they need to be able to, uh, to display. And then we were, we were thinking, hey, we have time to plan two practice games uh, in turn because we were not allowed to, have, to organize any external games. And we were thinking we can play two times 30 minutes and then two times 35 minutes or so. But there are a couple of things we need to, we need to address because the guys need to be able to accumulate fatigue because we are, got, we are about to play a couple of games in a short, relative short amount of time. Uh, second of all, the perceptual amount of fatigue will be higher. At least that was my hypothesis because without fans, without external stim uh, stimulus, every breath you take, every negative uh, sound you receive, uh, will have a much bigger impact on how do you uh, perceive fatigue and on which threshold is it you cannot overcome it anymore. So we need to practice that. So we went into the stadium, we put uh, commercial uh, displays on the side of the pitch. Uh, when we shot a goal, we, we, we put on the sound and we try to... Yeah, we, tr we try to do what's coming to us at, uh, at the 18th of May as well. First thing we did, we broke down the 11 against 11 in three parts. First time we played 11 against 11, we played three times 30 minutes. And we have uh, a so-called um, FCT uh, structure, football conditional training, which means that the brutal time is also the netto time. There are balls on the side. Every time when a ball goes out, it comes immediately back and you continue playing. Uh, there's almost um, no time for falls. We continue, we continue. Intensity is high and we put it through all the, uh, all the way those 30 minutes and we repeat this uh, three times in total. That's what we call the, um, the FCT dynamic. Then, three days later, we did two times 40 minutes but with a game dynamic. So with a more time uh, when uh, a team is about to take a free kick or a, or a, or a corner uh, or there's a throw-in, we give them more time, just like game review with the, with the referees in there. And, uh, and then at the eighth day, so the third 11 against 11, we played 45 minutes, 50 minutes rest, and uh, 50 minutes more. So what we did, instead of putting as much as possible in one or maximum two moments, we built three blocks divided over eight days where we played around with different bunches of uh, game intensity and, uh, and volume. So they, they have more opportunity to learn to cope with the accumulation of fatigue and most of all, uh, the perceptual accumulation of fatigue. This podcast is also brought to you by Gymware. Gymware have Flex. Flex is the latest product to enter the world of velocity-based training and is developed by the team at Gymware. Flex is the only laser-based system available and it's this unique technology that makes Flex the most accurate and reliable barbell tracking product in the sub-500 US dollar category. It's wireless, portable, and specifically designed for individual use with its own social platform and automatic training lock. Flex captures all the critical performance and technique metrics that people demand from a velocity-based training device. Velocity, power, bar path, range of motion, and even bar position. Live feedback is delivered through the Flex app on every lift and the data is automatically stored for review. 
Find out why VBT is such a powerful training method and what separates Flex from the competition at flexstronger.com forward slash VBT future. I think that's a really interesting point as well that you've taken that to the stadium and made sure that so many factors possible are exactly the same as what they're going to be doing in a, in a week or so's time. Um, yeah. Just to just to touch really quickly on that eight day block, what kind of rest were you giving in between? Were you treating that those uh, those training sessions like games, so they have a, a, a more um, rest based focus in the day or two afterwards, or is it more like okay, we're just going to use this block to uh, to train? Uh, in these three key focuses and around that we're going to make sure that our football and technical tactical work is uh, is completed yeah we were aware of the challenges in in, in the game uh, what i what i address with the perceptual fatigue um but so this is a period where they need to learn to cope with the, with those circumstances as well and one of the most important uh, circumstances and, and perhaps i'm running ahead of, of your questionnaire but uh is the game density and uh, so what we did is we need to learn them even while they went to the, uh, you know, what we call English weeks, so two or three games a week. They, they are well aware of that, but even then it will be different. So we polarized. I like to implement a polar, uh, polarized uh, periodization anyway. But what we did is to, those three days were maximum. And all the other days we learned them how to regenerate as effective as possible. Because also um, when uh, when it's about regenerations, there are measures because of this virus which changes the protocols. For example, we cannot use the wellness. We cannot hold cold therapy. It's much more complicated to uh, to implement right now. Um, we are playing like in June, July, so a bit more warmer than we're used to. So when it's about uh, nutrition, when it's about, hey, what are we allowed to do? regarding to uh, regeneration protocols. That's what we did on the, those five other days in between. So we, we brought them back all the way down. And on the pitch, we only did, we didn't have any intensity at all. It was only moving around. That was, that's really interesting. I think that's a testament to how much you can, uh, you believe in the philosophy and the process from what's, what's the goal today? The goal is regeneration. We're really not going to do a quote regeneration session for an hour and a half, including uh, small sided games. So that's going to be a real focus on making sure they're recovered yeah. and back to, to full performance for the next intense training session. Yeah, exactly. So you've, you've got a really tricky situation where you've had to monitor closely exactly what everyone is doing. Um, what were your KPIs throughout this? Um, difficult period. How are you measuring the intensity? Yeah, one one of the keywords you heard uh, multiple times right now is freshness. We find it extremely important that a player is not only fit, but most of all is fresh. The mind needs to be clear. The central nervous system needs to be optimally prepared, not only to do the sprinting, the changing, the changes in direction, and to get the volume there. But the, uh, football is a decision-making sport, especially a team like us, which puts like high pressure all the times we're moving around in, in literally small spaces at the pitch so players have to make often more often a decision than in, a, in, in any other play style you can possibly implement so they need to be fresh because a fresh player will also recover much faster from a high intensity game than a player with some accumulated fatigue in his body which a lot of teams and a lot of players will have at this moment because there is so much fear that teams that players are not fit enough and they didn't have enough time to prepare for this but i'm a firm believer we do we do when you have a clear philosophy and you put also a lot of learning in the in the process 
So freshness is the first of all, we have this questionnaires they have to fill in. Uh, we use our physios, the people, people to people communication is by far the best way to, to get info about players' freshness. We also build a culture where players are really open to, to provide feedback. Um, and then there are three more KPIs important for me when looking, when evaluating the load of a, of a training session. And that's the meters a minute, the high, expense, high intensity distance a minute, and the maximum uh, speed they got onto. And this is where we got some extraordinary uh, displays of what we are used to because we spent so much time, so seven weeks in total, from which four to five weeks in, small, in relatively small groups that they covered so much high intensity distance and they did so much intensity work over there that you actually saw that the majority of the players achieved a new uh, maximum speed threshold. And this, is the, and this was the big challenge for uh, what's coming to us because if we are heading into a program with a lot of games in relatively small amount of time but the players developed into uh, in, in, into um, a soccer player a football player which is able to achieve higher intensity then the big challenge is okay but the cost price will go up as well so are they able to maintain this over 90 minutes and that's why we designed this three-step uh, rocket 11 against 11 in those eight days as well I think that's a really interesting point, and it's, it's probably down to that freshness, which they're able to produce those uh, those higher intensity sprints or those faster sprints. Um, but that's a, a very tricky situation when you give an athlete new uh, capacities as such, and then they're going to go into this very intense, dense group of games. Um, yeah, is is that too much? Have you actually given them something which could be uh, detrimental at some point. That's a very difficult scenario, but generally speaking, a fitter, fresher player is not a bad, uh, a bad scenario to have. Yeah. What's important is, is how do you, uh, how agile are you in, in, in your, in your periodization? Because I sketched, uh, how, how long we played every step when we, when we trained 11 against 11, but it's not that we, on forehand, we had this idea, ah, perhaps we can play two times 45 minutes or four times 30 minutes, but we monitor life and we have every single player, we have their thresholds. What are they used to do? Like in a top Bundesliga game, in, a, in an average Bundesliga game, in a 11 against 11 with this FCT uh, dynamic and in a normal dynamic. So we were benchmarking literally on the pitch for every single player. And when we achieved uh, the level where we said, okay, this is just about enough because we don't want to, to get too much fatigue in there. And then it's, they're ready for step two. And then we, I said two times 40 minutes. In reality, it was two times 38 minutes. And then you try, try to tailor-made uh, this program. And when you do this, you protect the intensity they are capable to produce. And you're just extending the, the volume every time just a little bit so they can keep up this intensity. And that, that was the game I, see, I always see when I'm, here to do my job fantastic i think that's a really really interesting insight into into how you look at things and how um you're able to train these players to the top level um so really quickly just for a couple of minutes i want to touch on the increased game density which you mentioned what what do you think are the potential downsides to this because there are clearly it's, it's very difficult for a human being to perform a lot of football games in a very short space of time. There's, there's reasonable evidence to suggest that's not clever. Um, what, what kind of challenges are you expecting towards the end of the season? 
Yeah. Let me get back to all the way where we started this podcast. Everything starts with me on the pitch. So the biggest challenge, first of all, <laughs> perhaps it's a no-brainer, but how do we win this game? How do we win this game? And when the game density is so high, of course, there will be some physiological uh, restrictions as well because not every player is is is, is uh, able to go game after game after game without getting into uh, into trouble, without running short of time when it's about regeneration. That's why we are lucky to have a, a team with enough high-quality players so we can we are able to change players from game to game. But apart from that... I would say the biggest challenge is what we mentioned before. They got more explosive. We got relatively a small amount of time to make the translation to, uh, to, to higher volume. So can they endure the 90 minutes? And, um, and how can we keep them fresh? And next uh, challenge is um, how do we provide everybody perspective and a program which fits along. Because when you have a lot of games, you have a lot of traveling. Um, for example, your subs who didn't play, how do you get the training load in there? And um, it gets fixed automatically because we're about to use pretty much every player within our squad. Uh, but for example, we uh, normally we don't do any runs after a game because we don't like to do in a hostile environment runs, especially not when you have a negative result. It's just shit for the players. It stresses the hell out of them. And you get a less fresh player the next day in, uh, on the pitch. And that's what we don't want. So it, it, it doesn't fit in our philosophy. Now there are no fans. There are different circumstances. So now, and that's why I like to talk about principles, because the difference between a principle and a rule is that with a principle, you can make changes in the things you do, as long as the people understand the why. And most of all, we understand the why we are doing what we do. So in this case, we, uh, we allow them to do, to do the runs. We do the runs. We, we do the runs uh, afterwards, so then uh, they can join the other, the other guys in their, uh, in their regeneration program. And then three days later, the next game is there. Because to give an example, we play Saturday, Tuesday, Friday, and then the Tuesday again. So we don't have more than 72 hours to regenerate. That's very tricky, but I think, uh, I think that yeah. seems like a, a very applicable way to make sure that you're getting in what you need and yeah to be adaptable and agile in the sense of um, we we would prefer not to do runs in the uh in the stadium after the game but in this case it fits so we need to make sure we're doing something constructive in that time yeah um, because three days later they're going to need to play and they're going to need to be fresh and fit so um sorry i'm conscious of time can you give us a quick 30-second rundown of what you discussed today so we can summarize exactly uh, the key points? Uh, what, we, yeah, what we discussed today is, uh, yeah, is, is, is the challenge of the, of the, of the measures we, uh, yeah, we got. So we started with small groups. Key focus, key element within our uh, philosophy is we start with intensity, football skills, so on-ball activities, and we extend this over time. Um, in the end, the challenge is to make sure the athletes who gained intensity, they can endure it over time. And this, this is what we did in a, in a three-step rocket, how we call it. So in eight days, three different blocks of, uh, of 11 against 11. While tracking live uh, and making custom uh, tailor-made uh, yeah, feedback and uh, yeah, training uh, meshes when it's about freshness, meters a minute, high-intensity distance and maximum speed. So we are very agile in our planning. 
Fantastic. So, Terry Peters, once again, a massive thanks for being on the Science of Sport podcast today. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure that everyone at home listening has taken some absolute gold from this one. So, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks to Terry for all of his hard work on today's podcast. I really enjoyed that one with loads of great applicable information. And considering how Terry today has talked us through how he has brought Bayer Leverkusen back to full performance, I want to point you in the direction of our five must-read research reviews for sport performance, and that was available to download in the show notes. So in just a few seconds' time, all you've got to do is click in there and get your free download. Before you leave, be sure to give this one a like and a share on social media. I know that in the last few weeks, if you have liked it and shared on Instagram, for example, we can get you in the stories as well, so we can show the world how you're listening to the podcast. And that's it. Once again, a massive thanks for me. I'm Matt Solomon for Science of Sport, and I'll speak to you next time.